to Desperately Seeking Entertainment, your source for all things entertainment. I am your host, Ben Frawley. Joined with us this week is Lynette Williams. What's going on, Lynette? Nothing much, Ben. How you doing? How you feeling? What's going down? I'm feeling good, dude. I'm feeling good. I feel like, you know, things are flowing. You know what I mean? Like, I tell people at uh, the work, you know, I'm talking about mindfulness and stuff. You want to get into that flow state, that kind of gut feeling. You're not second-guessing yourself. I'm feeling it. I don't know what it is. And like, you know, this week has been kind of crazy as far as like, you know, doing computer stuff and billing and bad, 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 like all this nonsense. Printers are down and all this stuff. But you know what? Hit the end of a day. Still feeling good. Lynette, you in that you in that flow state? You feel me? What's going on? I'm the flow blocker. You know how you're a flow rider? I'm the flow blocker. I'm just I just put a wall down. I was like, nope, we done. I'm out. (laughs) So I'm excited to be here. So get ready. This is going to be an interesting cast. We have the flow and the non-flow. All we'll right. The yik to the yang. The flow hater. <laughs> the flow hater. I like it. Many rap name. Flow hater. All right. Uh, Lynette, I'm going to start us off this week. Oh. I think I'm going to start us off with maybe a, a twofer. Oh. Um, let's talk about the Golden Globes. I knew that's where you were going to start, my friend. Yeah. yeah. I think there's many topics we have to cover. Um Josh and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, when the nominees came out, we, of course, discussed the lack of diversity in Mm -hmm. the um, nominees as far as when they see us, which is Mm -hmm. still eligible for award season, which is kind of a travesty that it wasn't even nominated, Yeah, um, which is one of probably one of the most important miniseries I've ever seen in a long time. Um, So we talked a little bit about that. But Lynette, let me um, let me let me put it to you. What was some of. What were some of your takeaways from Golden Globes this year? Um, honestly, my Golden Globes, I looked at the nominations and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, as a half black, half white Jewish woman, I was like, okay. I I was like, I really could just catch up, read the read the uh the papes about what's the uh, the the recap i was like what's right. the words i'm looking for <laughs> uh see it's that bad that i just don't i don't even care to find the words for it um you know i wasn't really excited by all the all the nominees and things like that um and i was just like meh that's pretty much how i feel about it meh yeah you know i i feel like you know as as i get older and more mature in my uh my movie likings you know as a kid i was definitely a horror movie and i'm still a horror movie and cult movie fan i felt like you know my picks for like films of the year like once upon a time in hollywood um i really like the the lighthouse i really like mm-hmm. midsummer and i don't know besides once upon a time i was kind of ignored in my thoughts mm, it was kind well, of a, a harsh kind of like feeling other than midsummer well even midsummer there's only one real woman in the cast they're all very male dominated movies yeah uh, this year i i would say you know i but think in general the, yeah i think in general there was, yeah uh, there was a couple articles i read just today while getting ready that um female directors were definitely ignored this year as far as nominees for golden globes 
and just females in general were. Yeah, I think I think also the hard part. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of what movies came out throughout the year overall. Is there anything that hit me up earlier this season that I would be like, oh yeah, that should get nominated for Golden Globe. Should that get nominated for um, for Best Picture for Oscars going forward? The only thing that really struck me was um, the farewell. Um, right. That was an excellent movie, and um, like that's it. Like I really, I can't think of anything else. That what about um, what about Booksmart, a movie I just watched? So see, that's okay. That's part of it. I have not actually watched Booksmart yet. Okay. I mean, so... I can see. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong; it was good. Um, I don't know if it, it, after thinking about it, um, it's it's a good movie. It really is. I'll rewatch it. It's it's actually mm-hmm. like really funny. It's really had me uh, get the feels. Uh, I know I'm behind on the curve when I watched it, but I, I definitely got the feels and uh, well, I get the feels. I definitely bawled my eyes out at one part. Uh, so <laughs> so it had me feeling. It had me laughing. I don't. That's what a movie should do. You know, have you feeling a couple different emotions through the ride? Um, that is directed by Olivia Wilde. Yeah, might, might actually be written and directed, or something. Uh, like, oh, I think she's just directed. I think just, she's directed. just directed. And then, uh, I mean, your your main characters, almost all of your main characters are female. Um, there are diverse main characters. There's, um, I don't know, just uh, I I feel like it it definitely needed some some nominations at least. There was only a couple. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a female kind of movie that's just sitting there that was not nominated at all. And it's not like I I need awards to, you know, the best movie should win no matter mm-hmm. what. It's not like it, and I would like to say in 2019 that we're so kind of culturally appropriate that, you know, if 2019 was just a male dominated best movie year, just because it just happened to be and next year's going to be female dominated. Well, well, so be it. Sometimes it just happens. You know what I mean? But I know that this world is not like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a trend to be male dominated all the time. Right. Um, However, it's, it's about um, getting, getting the foot in the door and being able to come up and come through. And I think, I think it's interesting because, you know, well, actually now that I'm thinking about it, one movie, that I think could have probably gotten nominated, but probably wasn't seen as a good nomination was Late Night. Did you see that one with um, Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling? Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. I think I think because it was billed as a comedy and mm-hmm. while I wasn't like guffawing out loud, it had a lot to say and it was actually very cleverly written. And it speaks to general women it speaks to i think it speaks to a lot of women's general uh life in the world and i think because it was billed as a comedy that might be why it got overlooked had Mm -hmm. it been like a a dramedy um per se uh maybe it would have gotten more more noms i don't know well no Um, and I, i thought golden globes that was the point is you would have comedy nominations you know True. what I mean? Because they have best comedy or best comedic performance, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, TV on this list, there is a lot of recognition for female shows like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, there's there's a bunch of uh, female leads in uh, 
TV shows, but just the movies, you know, because we're coming up on Oscars. That's really what we're talking about is what we're mm-hmm. looking forward to. And I can just see it kind of – I don't know. I, I Like I, I, I talked about not my gripes with The Irishman, but just my kind of – it was okay. I can't really see myself going back to watch it, kind of thing. Mm. Um, there was a U- there's a YouTube video I just watched that uh, showed how someone with deep faking technology like cleaned up the reverse CGI within like seven days, and it looks absolutely fabulous. And if the movie looked like that, it would be like so much better, and it would. Um, you do the so, same for cats. Sorry, uh, I don't know about that. We'll get into that <laughs> later. Hear, yeah, I can't wait to hear that review. Um, but I don't know, Luna. I, I think I'm with you. I was just kind of like. I was really excited for this year when it started. We were just building, and then all of a sudden, the same things got nominated. That's what I yeah. felt like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here comes Eddie Murphy, and like I felt like was a great kind of comeback performance, and he got nominated and didn't win. And and I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, here we go. Like, here we have these, you know, and then we have all these streaming service movies, and then none of them get nominated or none of them win. And I was like, here we go again. You yeah. know what I mean? Um one thing that I thought that was really interesting um, was there a lack there of Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. And honestly, I was thinking about this in on my drive into work one day. And I was like, you know what would be really awesome is if Robert Downey Jr. got nominated for an Oscar for Best Male Performance. Yep. For yep. Endgame. Because... Yep. I was thinking about it, and while everybody does a wonderful job in that movie all around, he's the one that really just, he's like, it's it, it's done, Let, I'm going to go whole hog and really dive into this character and really make it and own it. And I kind of hope we get, because January 13th is the Oscar noms, I'm kind of hoping that maybe he gets he gets nominated and everybody's like, oh crap, we didn't see that one coming. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this might be getting into uh, my topic number two. So let's mm-hmm. just segue into that. Unless you have something else to say about the Golden Globes. No, I'm good. Okay, well, cool. Well, actually. Yeah, yeah we got. I was going to well, maybe this is your top. Actually, I'll let you go, and then we'll see if my topic is your topic. Ooh, okay, well, I'm bleeding into Avengers Endgame. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of my segue uh, into topic number two, the lack thereof nominations for Avengers Endgame. I think we all forgot that this movie made a billion dollars. Everyone loved it. Like the Rotten Tomatoes score, and I know that doesn't mean for anything or count for anything, but all of those, it's it's well above 80%. I don't know about your theater. Everyone in my theater was laughing, crying, quiet as hell at least at the end. Sniffles everywhere, standing ovation applause. Have we forgotten that? Because it... it we have because of the Oscar politics of it came out too early. Um, and then I'm going to take it a step further. Um, I've been listening to a podcast called unspooled hmm. where they're going through the AFI's top 100 list, right? Yes. And on the AFI top 100 list, you have um, return of the King and fellowship of the ring, Lord of the Rings. And 10 years from now, are we going to view at least Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame as two of the best American films ever made. I think so. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm yeah. taking my comic book geek hat off 
and just like rerunning the movies in my mind and my guttural visceral reactions to everything that happened in those two movies and the fact that it doesn't matter how many times I watch it when I get to certain parts I am a blubbering idiot yeah it doesn't matter and and just the way that it's filmed and shot and the fact that I never once never once doubted that I was in any of the places they said I was in I, I never questioned the CGI. I never questioned the storyline. I never questioned whether I was in space. Like, I was like, nope, I'm in space right now with these characters. This is absolutely posi- positively legitimate and valid and can work. And I'm on, I'm on this journey with them. Yeah, you you read my mind. I mean, you, dude, you read my mind, Lynette. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't, you know, I love the movie Sin City, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, when it came out groundbreaking, you were like, holy, I've never seen a movie like this. Right. And now that's kind of the standard, you know, green screen it. Um, let's lighter actors. Let's do some tricks. And the whole thing's green screen. And then 300 came out. Same kind of thing. You're like, oh, this is a neat kind of way to film movies. Then Sin City 2 came out and you kind of saw the holes through the trick. You know what I mean? Through yeah. the veneer of the curtain. You're like, oh, all right. I see right. the trick going on. Yeah. yeah. Now you kind of got to rely on story a little bit more and like the effects a little bit less. Right. And they took they took so many real elements, you know, costumes, acting, story. You know what I mean? And where you didn't even care. You didn't pay attention. And these Marvel movies are knocking it out of park. And here's where the Golden Globes and all this story number two ties in together. That whole kind of Scorsese Marvel movies aren't real film. Do you think that was just a ploy for him to knock them out of the Golden Globes and the Oscars? Ooh, conspiracy theory. I got a conspiracy theory. I don't even think it's a real conspiracy theory. I think that's just a theory. (laughs) I mean... Let's be, honestly, I think the I think the only reason why Martin Scorsese and the Irishman were nominated is because they're one foot in the grave. Yeah, this I might be the last one. Yeah. And I'm just like, everybody knows it. And they're like, all right, well, this might be the last time we can nominate nominate Scorsese. And, you know, he has done a lot for innovation and for AFI and all this other stuff. Um, and so they were just like, I mean, it's not. The greatest movie. Right. Uh, we'll throw it in there. Right. I mean, and, and this happens all the time. I mean, I, I don't care. Like, y- you're teaching a film class about the greatest American films. You're not going to show The Irishman. No. You're going to show Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Right. <laughs> and I'm sorry that you didn't nominate or he didn't win and it didn't win Best Picture. I'm sorry you messed up. I don't I don't know what you go, what you were doing in the late 70s, early 80s. I was, I was just not being born, so I wasn't there to vote. But <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. So you can't just, you know, give him a lifetime achievement award and say, good work, guys. But, you know, as I looked at that sea of people in that audience at the Golden Globes, it was the same old faces. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where was the Avengers table? You know, where were the Avengers sitting at a table? Ten years from now, we're going to be like, God damn. Like, I don't know where phase four is going, but Thanos, even in the comic books, is a big event. That ripples through time, even posthumously post Thanos. And I think we're going to look back and go, my God, they got it so right 
You know what I mean? They're going to have so many little hiccups and little mistakes, and we're going to look back and go, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this thing. And I think they messed up again. And they're and I think 10 years from now, they're going to give awards to a Marvel movie that won't be as good as, a, as Infinity War or as Endgame. Oh, I call it the Revenant Award. That is yes. my, that's my, that's my, I'm coining that internet. It's mine. Don't take it. The Revenant. Because um, I hated the Revenant. I did yep. not think that it was Leonardo's best work as an actor. And uh, they totally gave it to him because he had lost um, for, what was it? The one he did a oh, couple the, of times. The, the Aviator or The Departed? What are you talking about? Which the one? Departed. Yeah. Because right. he lost for The Departed. And they were like, eh, shit, we should have given it to them for that. Right. They're like, that movie was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. They're like, God damn <laughs> they're, it. They're like, oh, I slugged through that Revenant, but. Uh, halfway through, I hit pause and just watched The Departed again. Fuck, that movie was really good. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never had a, such such a physical reaction to The Revenant where I was physically uncomfortable and wanted to punch things and throw up and get the hell out of Dodge. I hated that movie so much. So much. My friends still laugh to this day about my, my reaction to The Revenant. Anywho. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. I think... I think one of the things was because I think I when I went to go see especially Infinity War when I went to go see Infinity War and they started fading away. Oh, I I mean, you would have thought I was at my mother's funeral. Like you really <laughs> you honestly, honest to God, you would have thought I was some little old Italian lady beating her chest, like just sobbing uncontrollably ugly tears my friend leans over to me and goes, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I have invested 10 years of my life into these characters. And now they're dead. They're gone. Yeah. And he's like, Lynette, you know there's going to be a sequel. They'll come back. And I was like, I'm not thinking about that now. <laughs> I was oh, like, God. what I'm thinking about is that they're gone for this moment. And what that means is that they, they won't be there for that first opening thing. And then to come back to Endgame. And see Hawkeye standing there with his daughter. Oh, I, I immediately started I crying. Lost it. Like they I literally, lost it. they had me crying at the end. They just were like right in there. And I think everybody in my theater at Endgame. I don't think there was when they did the opening credit thing. Not a single person was talking. The no. only sound you could hear was sobs, and that was it. And sniffles, sobs, and sniffles. That's it. And yeah. I don't think there will ever be a sequel a movie series, anything that will invoke that much emotion as that movie did. Yeah. And you're right. I think if the Academy doesn't listen to us right now, Academy of Motion Pictures, yeah. Arts and Sciences, listen to us, nominate Endgame and make this right. I think. Totally. Yeah. And I, it, I, I can't imagine. Like, and, and you're talking, Lynette, all people around the world. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. All people around me? every country in the world, all ages – having a visceral reaction to a film, we'll never see that ever again. We're, no. we're on the precipice of the end of cinema in the theaters. And that thing got people come out in droves and feel something, you know, in this crazy jaded, you know, a, a news story, every second world, uh, my theater was not only sobbing at the Hawkeye scene. And then 10 seconds later, the Ant-Man scene, I lost it. Oh my it. God. Yes. I lost it. Like not only like, you know, you're like, Oh, his daughter's gonna be dead too. Nope. She's grown nope. up. I, oh my God. I lost and that's it. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother grieving process. Right. That's a whole, <laughs> you're just like, ah, I lost it. I, I just, 
Oh my God. And like people, yeah, the person I was with is like, was, are you kidding me right now? I was like, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at them. I was just done. I was like, yeah, someone paused the movie. I got to go take a, I, I, I don't <laughs> even smoke. Someone give me a cigarette. I need a cigarette break for 10 minutes. I was so done. And so, uh, yeah, and then when the end, the, the the movie was fabulous, and I wanted it to be three more hours. Mm-hmm. I can't picture, and you know me, I I can sometimes be super hypercritical of movies. Uh, and, Rise and, of the Skywalkers. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I'd set a movie, not a piece <laughs> of shit. But, oh! uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but. Fisticuffs, my friend. Fist. I was all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 and for that to not even get some sort of recognition is a crime. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I'm just off. But I swear to God, the movies that we talk about, ten years later, twenty years later, that stand the test of time. I've said that for years. They're the ones that don't get nominated. Right. You know what I mean? They're the ones like twenty years later, people are like, oh yeah, you know. I mean, just like um, I showed twenty twenty. I, I mean, we right. look back and we see things. Right. And, and just not even like. It's always like the the movies. That's why I love that podcast, The Rewatchables. They're not talking about Oscar-nominated films. They're not talking about – but for some reason, some movies are so great, you just got to keep watching them. There's like mm-hmm. so nuanced sometimes, and it's just great. So anyway, Lynette, that was my number two. What do you got for number two? All right. My number two actually – ah, dang it. Now I don't want to jump back to it, but I'm going to jump back. So my – actually, no, wait. You had one and two. I have had none. All right. Well, I thought the the Golden Globes were a one and two, but hit oh, it yeah, up. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Okay, okay, that's yeah. fair. One and two. Got you. I'm going to go back. I want to talk about Ricky Gervais's monologue. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah, no, perfect. All right, cool. So Ricky Gervais's monologue, everybody's like, oh, oh, oh. And I was thinking about it today, and he called out, so in case people don't know out there, he called out all the people for accepting paychecks from the streaming companies that have parent companies that use child labor and all this other stuff in the world, which is obviously very, very um, unfortunate and things like that. But I also want to be like, dude, you're broadcasting on NBC, uh, NBC Universal. Um, I'm sure they have skeletons in their closet. And I know this is your last time, but I'm also like, I hope you realize the irony of you calling out all these other people for their paychecks. Did you do your research on yourself? Because you're not doing this for free. You're getting paid. So I wanted to ask you, did you have any feelings about his monologue and calling out the actors about them not being in touch with the American public and then also getting paychecks from all these major companies that use child labor in China and other foreign countries? I thought it was, uh, you know, I first and foremost, he's trying to, you know, we saw, um, oh my God, what was the, what was the, um, award show that went over like a bomb the guy from like reno 911 did it and it was like a weird format and everyone hated it what was that what am i thinking of and he broke in oh my god is that anyway the the emmys no yeah yeah the emmys and it was like really odd and everyone was like what was that so like i think hosting is a weird format we saw kevin hart that whole thing last year with the oscars like i think it's just a weird kind of art so he's trying to do something different he's trying to make something happen um, mm-hmm. I love celebrity squirming. I love it so yes, much. Yes, um, I have to admit that is nice. Yeah, one of my favorite videos of all time on YouTube is Norm Macdonald hosting the ESPYS, <laughs> where where he will never host anything ever again because <laughs> he says such uncomfortable things. 
um, and they cut to like really famous celebrities and they just have to sit there and not laugh, even though, you know, they want to laugh. <laughs> and I love that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I thought he was funny. So I was just laughing out loud at a couple parts. Um, and some of the jokes were really funny and they stuck. So I don't know. I, I didn't see any controversy. I thought he did a good job. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was just interested because like, you know, scrolling. Cause like I said, I just kind of scrolled through for recaps. Everybody's recapping, um, you know, his monologue and that he called out. But honestly, you know what? I'm not going to lie because there's definitely truth. And that's part of comedy is you speak the truth sometimes, even if it is painful and hurtful. But um, there is a thing like, you know, the more we talk about being woke and socially conscious, um, how far do we have to research in order to be that way and how far like how far do you trickle down that to the american public um especially if he's saying you need to be like you guys are so far out of what the american public is doing on the daily but then he wants them to be conscious and researching the companies that they're working for um and you know it's it's i i'm just thinking i'm getting a very because i do find sociology entertaining yeah um I think it's just an interesting contrast is like, well, yeah, if you're an American person working in a job, like how much research do you do into what they do and how they do it? And, or are you just worried about feeding your family? You know, like, so it was just an interesting thing that I was, you know, and a fellow in intellectual. It was definitely a pointed, it was definitely a pointed joke. Yeah. So, but the um, delivery was great. So yeah, it was. It was. I was. Just, I just was wondering if there was any other, other. There was a couple. There was a couple lines in there. The one that really stuck that resonated with a couple people was, uh, who was the guy that was murdered or, uh, Epstein, right? Yeah, but, yeah. And his line after that, he's like, "I know he was all your friend." <laughs> so there was. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of like really pointed jokes in there. And I think that's what Ricky Gervais does. That's why he was great on the office and he was all those things, you know, because he's pointed, he's supposed to make it awkward. Right. Um, that's why you hire him. And you know what I say? Um, bold move for NBC for sticking with him all these years. Yeah. I you know mean- what I mean? Yeah, like normally NBC is pretty safe. I mean, you look at the travesty that is Saturday Night Live right now, just playing it safe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what's happening with that show. Let's just keep it safe. You know, what I mean, only Eddie Murphy or even Adam Sandler will do something that will break out because they're big stars. They can do anything they want. They can call their shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, everyone has to be safe and keep it cool. Everyone's homogenized and just. Now, here's the question. Do you think that's because Lauren is getting up there in the age and I'm not going to lie, as I get older, I start to get a little bit more conservative in my my thought processes. Uh, it's a weird, weird situation. I don't know if you felt this yet, where you start to get a little bit more conservative, but you also don't give a fuck about what you say. <laughs> right. So well, it's like, weird, right. Like... Well, it's like, you know, as you get older, you meet more people, right? Right. Here, I'm going to break it down for you, Lynette. Ready? Mm. Uh, this is it. This is it. I'm going to break it right white down. White mansplain to me. Yeah, I'm going to mansplain this to you. <laughs> oh, right. White mansplain to you. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. First of all, you're, you're getting older. So you've met more people. You've met more cultures. You met, like, and so you're like, oh, you know, I actually know someone from 
I don't know, Blame. Denmark or something like that. So I can't make any Denmark jokes like I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> so uh, so you start, yeah, you get more sensitive. But then uh, you go to the gym and then you just shower in front of people. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you just get naked and you're like, whatever, I don't give a shit. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so that's it. So that's the duality of our brains as we get older. So what you're saying is that SNL should start showering more on the TV show. And on air. Better. On well, air. <laughs> well, no, and, and you know what, Lynette, like, I get it, right? And and also, it's speaking of like the Me Too, you know, uh, movement, and you know, uh, the world we live in now. You have to be more sensitive, more mm-hmm. culturally appropriate. You have to watch out what jokes mean, wh- who can take offense. You don't want to lose sponsors. Always, that's always been a thing. But, but, just a couple years ago, and still, they still pull out sketches. Key and Peele do, do it. They they still put out. Very, very, very funny stuff that is cutting and makes social commentary, and they're doing it, and I don't know how they're right. pulling it off. So, and it's just the two of them. It's it's just them writing and doing it, and you know they're still putting out a sketch every once in a while, and they're still freaking hilarious. And so, yeah. it is possible to be original, to be innovative, and still not offend people. Right. Right. And so they just have to figure it out. And Saturday Night Live, and I've said this a bunch of times, Saturday Night Live should be a format that should be very popular now in our ADHD culture. You know what I mean? In a world that YouTube is king and we just like ingesting things three to five minutes at a time. But Saturday Night Live should be the top played thing of all time. I I don't get it. So, Yeah. No, I I agree with you. I I, I definitely don't disagree with you on that. I do think they are they have been playing it safe um for a long time um and and i think i don't know um i i have though high hopes with the new um god i don't remember his name the new asian cast member uh cast member oh yeah he's been great every time yeah. i see him he's hilarious yeah yeah um i think i think he might give some new young blood um yeah. some new viewpoints that are going to be biting because his oh my god his trade daddy that was the bomb i was like (laughs) crying laughing so hard (laughs) yeah i mean i hope i think they're trying to do it i i you know i it's lauren you know i mean i've been a a fan of lauren's like whether it be Night live or kids in the hall you know i mean still kids in the hall sketches on youtube if if you're younger and listening to this, if you haven't watched kids in the hall my god uh, they're still really funny they're just my god so bird lady Oh, <laughs> bird lady at the strip club oh my I god i love it um so anyway so let's move on uh let's okay. go to my number three i believe all right um, this week announced i think i got it on joe blows but it was kind of everywhere um they announced or quinton announced a four-hour cut of once upon a time in hollywood is coming next year mm. um net last year they came out with a four-hour cut direct to netflix um cut of hateful eight and i watched all of that and it was phenomenal it played like an amazing mini series samuel jackson's performance is my god just <laughs> one of his best <laughs> like it's it, seriously uh, lynette did you check out that four hour cut of that i haven't even checked out the regular cut the regular cut please check out the four hour uh, the way it is like that because, and then watch it like a show, like watch one okay. episode, let it sit, watch another episode because I watch, I, I had to binge it because it was so good. And I've seen the movie. I know how it ends. I know everything. And I, 
it was so good. I was like, oh my God, you got so much more depth and everything. Lynette, I know you just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I did. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what you think about the four hour cut. What do you got? What do you got going? So I swear to God, and maybe it was just long enough that I thought it was four hours. <laughs> I thought I already watched a four hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's pretty long. Don't get and me wrong. Yeah. I was down with it. I watched it. Um, I watched it one Saturday morning. I was like, you know what? No, this is a good morning. I'm in my bed. I can relax. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it on. I'm gonna watch it. Um and I honestly have to say, I think this movie is what Quentin Tarantino has been working up to his entire career. Like, I really kind of thought that this was his opus, if that makes sense. Um totally his totally Beethoven's agree. Joy to the World. This is what it is for him. Um, I think he, it was, it had me, I had no clue. I The first thing I want to say, brilliant marketing, brilliant previews, because I knew it alluded to Charles Manson, but I didn't know how, why, what was going to unfold. Um, and he did a really good job at making sure none of the previews really gave it away, but still made you interested. And I don't feel like previews do that all that often anymore. And so I was excited about it from the previews. For whatever reason, I missed it in theaters. Finally got to see it at home. And like, I was enthralled. Um, I was just like, what is, what's going to happen? Where, what's going on? Where are these characters going? What is this, um, adventure we're on and I'm, I'm not gonna lie there was a little bit of a nostalgia to it where I was like oh I kind of missed the days where you had to like roll down your window or <laughs> like you didn't have air conditioning so you just left the windows down and you kind of like nodded at people on the street like you know and um but then the way oh just the way that he would insert information so that you like if you were like they 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 said oh you know he's a friend of um you know he's a friend of so and so and then you'd be like all right i don't remember a name so and so but then you know you would go a couple pieces and then you would meet so and so and you're like oh that's why that's an issue got it <laughs> like you're just like all right um it was just it was just pure brilliance and i'm not going to lie I kind of got super excited with Brad Pitt on the roof with his shirt off. <laughs> I think totally, everyone did. Totally brought me back to Thelma and Louise when I was like, oh, shit. Like, this dude. I was like, he's hot. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like. Like, uh, I, like, I know what I look like at 39, and I don't think I'm going to look like that at 50. <laughs> I mean, you just got to work, sir. You just got to work. I guess. <laughs> I don't care how much I'm going to work. <laughs> That's out of control. <laughs> I was just like, I haven't drooled over Brad. I have to admit, I haven't drooled over Brad Pitt in probably a good 20 years. Right. He's been like dad mode, you know, adopting kids and shit and, you know, yeah, and just, doing the dad thing. Right. And even in the movies, I'm like, okay, Ocean's Eleven, you were kind of cute, but still kind of goofy. Like you weren't like I wasn't necessarily attracted to him. Like I was like, okay, whatever. No, this one I was like, <gasps> now I yeah. remember why you were like my favorite my favorite back in the day yeah i heard um i heard an interesting kind of like tidbit about cliff booth 
Mm-hmm. About um, Tarantino said, you know, if you think Cliff killed his wife, you'll watch the movie one way. If you think he didn't, you'll watch the movie another way. So Ooh. do you believe that Cliff killed his wife? You know, I was I was quite I was like. I don't know. I mean, I was going to kill her. I would have killed her <laughs> with a spear gun. Yeah. And yeah. the beer in his hand. I would have harpooned her shit. I would have been like, you're going overboard, baby. We're done. We're done here. Divorce. Wow. Easiest way to do it. <laughs> I was just like, we out. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Lynette, we were talking about the Golden Globes and the Oscars being, you know, male, male heavy this year. But I love that movie so much. If... Brad Pitt wins supporting, Leo wins best actor, and Tarantino wins director, and it wins best picture. I'm okay with that because that movie, I, I'm totally on board. You, this is his masterpiece so far. I don't know what he's going to do for his last one, but you know, you get a sense that it had all the little pieces that the th- if you if you're a Tarantino fan, right, and you're coming mm-hmm. into this, had those little pieces, right? Yeah, had a little violence, had a little uh, colorful language, had a little kind of time play, had a little. Editing had um, a great character study, so those are Tarantino kind of staples. Yeah. Then, I, I think that this is the movie that I, that even my mom will like. You know what I mean? Who is not a Tarantino fan at all? Mm-hmm. Um, that will just enjoy the performances. Leo hits another level, like in the trailer and when he's talking to the little girl. Those those scenes are the best in the movie, and probably the slowest part of the movie. You know what I mean? We're yeah. we're, we're we're having a flashback. To him on set, or not a flashback, but like kind of like a segue from the pl- the main plot to the set. And so you're sitting here like, what are we doing? And it contains some of the best performances that you've seen on screen. Uh, I-, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> In like ten years or something like that. It's it's insane. Like I, I, it's just like the whole movie is Oscar clips. Like you could yeah. show any frame of that movie and go and nominated once upon a time in Hollywood. They could show any. You know what I mean? Like, it's obviously going to be nominated for Best Picture. I can't tell you what clip they're going to show <laughs> before. Like, what clip do you show? Like, just them drinking beers, watching FBI in the trailer or something? I, I don't know what you show. Yeah, no, I don't know. Them and driving if, around Hollywood with the windows Yeah, down? and what are, like, you know, in most Oscar movies, right, most nominated movies, and some Tarantino movies are kind of – very depressing sometimes because there's lots mm-hmm. of violence or yeah. there you don't know where we're going you're kind of confused and I like you're like oh that was kind of brutal brutally violent brutally swearing don't know if I'll watch that I can't wait so Katie Cat's coming up next weekend and I mm-hmm. can't wait to watch that and just go on that roller coaster again and I'm going to just like seep in it like a bath like a warm bath and just like you said those scenes were you know, Cliff Booth is driving around might be my yeah. favorite of the whole movie. It has nothing to do with the plot, but it does. Like you said, like those driving scenes introduce so many different little aspects of his character and different little foreshadowing things. And what masterful strokes of foreshadowing where you have no idea that you're being foreshadowed to. Right. It's just. None. No. He's like, okay. I guess. Uh, yeah. And that's the. So, oh, that was the biggest point for me was. When I finally, when I finished the film, I shouldn't say finally because I was excited. I was sad that it was over. Uh, when I finished the film, uh, there were two things that I thought in my brain. One was, wait, because I'm pretty smart at history. I was like, wait a minute, is that what happened? Really? 
<laughs> I was like, wait, what? No. No, I, that's I not really second, what happened. I second guessed what happened in history. Oh, because it was so kind of, it went along with the plot. It just went along and it just kept going. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was just like, and that, I literally had to Should Google. I had to Google. Had to Google it. And be like, no, no, Lynette, that's not what happened in history. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But I just, I I was so in it. So in the movie, I was like, nope, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly right. what happened. Well, the and it's, thing was, it's just great. It's, it's just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, go, oh, no, go. I was just going to say, the second thing was, is this is probably the first movie in a very, very long time where I was actually really upset. I did not see it on a big screen. Um, With me, by the way. <laughs> No. It should have been in the theater. I was screaming. I was jumping up and applauding mid-film sometimes. Yeah, see, no, I'm glad I didn't see it with you. But I just, <laughs> I realized that this is his ode to big screen cinema. Yep. It's, it is one of those movies that, while I appreciate it on my big screen TV, it would give that extra awesomeness if it was on the big screen. And I think that's unique because it's not like it's a hot, you know, lately I feel like people make decisions because ticket prices are so expensive. They're like, oh, well, you know, this movie's got a lot of, um, got a lot of sound effects or it's got a lot of visual effects. A lot of cars crashing into submarines or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I should go to see it on the big screen. Um, you know, or, but this is not one of those movies where you're just like, oh, well, it's like a story. So a story I could watch on a little screen. And it's like, no, really, this needs to be visually and env- like it needs to envelop you on a big screen. Yeah. Oh, Lynette, you're 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 so right. And when we watch it again next weekend, I'm putting on the projector downstairs mm-hmm. just to try to get some sort of it. And. You know, like you so said, what it's not... is the movie, and I will bring popcorn. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. I'll maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have a night showing over here at the uh, Casa de Frolli. We'll watch Ooh. that. That'd be awesome. Um, but um, I don't know. Like, like you said, it's there's not there's there's barely any action in the movie. When the action comes, it's splendid and great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot of people talking. A lot yeah. of big movie stars talking and doing. Even Al Pacino is fabulous in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, he had a great little part, and he's so great in it. He gets overshadowed by like the rest of the movie, but he's fabulous. Great casting in the movie. Um, I don't know. Everyone's great. The, I'm gonna watch it again and look to see if there's something I don't like. But as it stands, my initial showing and talking and thinking about it, I, I love this movie. Like yeah. hands down, I, I don't know if I would even change a thing. So I'm really interested. You know. About the four-hour cut, there's some deleted scenes that came. I, I bought it because, uh, you know, a little plug to Voodoo. It's on sale for 12 bucks to buy, so I just bought it outright mm. this week. Um, but it came with featurettes. It came with behind-the-scenes, so I'm going to watch that right after we get off the air, so I can't wait. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, this is Tarantino's ninth film, so this is it. Um, but what a way to go. I, I think, you know, all this talk about start him directing a Star Trek movie and all these things are exciting, but... I think he has a plan. Yeah. I think he's been writing something for a while. Um, just like Bastards, he was writing that for a while in Django. You know, you, you kind of hear the kind of oral history of 
how things got put on the shelf, or even Hateful Eight, how that got leaked. He said, screw it, I'm not doing it, and then he came back. I think he has a master plan. I think he has something waiting that we don't even know about. Mm. Um, If you know, he's just kind of like this kind of crazy idiot savant kind of guy, and I think he knows what's going on, and there's a reason why he did 10 films. There's going to be maybe 10 in the title, something like that. Mm. So just buckle up. I can't wait. So, all right, Lynette, what's, uh, what's your number three? My number three is the fantastical, fabulous journey into the world of cats. <laughs> the hot mess. Literally the litter box Uh-oh. of movies. We're going to go wow. from the best to the worst. And wow. yet, yeah. somehow entertaining. That's what I can't get over. So let's preface. Let's talk entertaining. about Entertaining. Entertaining. So, Cats. From the preview, everybody's uh, hopefully everybody saw that ter- terrible preview where I, I saw the preview and I saw um, the uh, VFX uh, react to YouTube video that mm-hmm. where like the video effects guys are just making fun of the actual preview. That's how yeah. bad that preview. Uh, yes, and um, if anybody's interested, why this is also going to go into it is the Washington Post published today a uh, great piece about people's um intoxicated from basic drinking all the way up to illicit drugs reactions to going to see cats uh they 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 they, uh posted people's reviews and it's quite quite hilarious is that on youtube it's on what it's on washington post it's a washington post okay all right all right all right oh my god that's great um but so my friends and i not gonna lie we did a boozy brunch as we like to call it so we uh, we had lots of hard alcohol early on and then went into Cats and sat down. Um, the theater had maybe 10, 15 people. Um, we were a row of seven, so we took care of half of the theater. Uh, <laughs> the, show, the show begins, and uh, the first thing that happens, we're just like, what? Oh man! The CGI. Well, come on, spoil, spoil. It's fine. You can all spoil right. it. All right, CGI terrible. Two, two out of ten, if even that. I honestly want to say it's like one out of ten. It was. Hey, we had human faces, human feet, human hands, and at some points, some points I don't even think they even disguise. Like some hands, if they were in the foregrounds, they tried to make it look like they had fur on their hands. The ones in the background, nope, they were just basic human feet. They had. <laughs> No, no change whatsoever. There were times that they were just free floating on the ground. Their feet didn't even hit the ground. No. Yes. I was just oh like, my god. Did they do this on purpose? Like what? That's what? like mystery science theater stuff. That's like the movie Birdemic or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. I was just like, are they? What is happening? I couldn't. The way that the way that some of the cats moved were. Uh, were just awkward and off-putting. The sizing was never the same. So you couldn't, like, even though they were trying to make them look cat-sized, they still look smaller than cat-sized. Like, they were like midgets. And then there, oh, there was this terrible scene where Rumor Wilson starts eating mice and cockroaches. And the CGI, yeah. And oh, P.S., the mice had children's faces on them. So basically she was eating child mice. What? Yes, I'm telling you, it was. Wait, a- they, they put children's faces on the mice that the uh, that rumor Wilson's about to eat. 
as was it supposed to be funny i don't know as they're screaming as they're going down please don't eat me and these little child voices wait who's this movie for i thought it was a kid's movie or something like that i'm not sure i really think i literally think they were just like let's get as high as possible and we'll figure this out later (laughs) like i just i can't so cgi terrible the first of all I should probably preface this. I hate Cats the musical. Yeah, yeah, this- it's not. I'm not a big musical person anyway. But just get me. On, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm. If I listen to the record, like without any visuals, I like the music. All but right. I'm, I, like, I want something with a f- fucking plot. This has no plot. So I will give them one extra point. So I gave them three points for plot because they at least attempted to try to make the story make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they. What's the plot? What's the, just break it down for me. What's going right, on? So the plot is is that there is a group gathering of cats underneath the full moon, so that one of them can get to the heavy side lair and be reborn with new nine lives. That is okay. the goal. All right. Now the problem is is on the stage like version. Highlander kind of thing. Correct. <laughs> Except for there, yeah, you're right. There can only be one, but right. they don't fight. Anywho, oh, they, they don't cut heads off. They, they, they sing. Eat. They, they sing. eat children's heads off. Right, correct. Uh, so they try to get to Heaviside Lair. They're singing about their songs. Only one person can be picked. Um, however, in the stage musical, there's this weird character who just kind of pops up and has very ominous music, but he's not clearly a villain. He doesn't do anything to the cats. He just is there. Um. So in the movie, they clearly made him the villain. They were like, nope, McCavity is the villain and he has a prime purpose. He's stealing the cats that are trying to sing to get to Heaviside Lair so that he can be chosen. And I was like, done. Thank you. That's much more of a plot than the musical. I'll take it. I'll give you an extra point for that. Okay. However, (laughs) the very first time he appears and steals a cat. It's Idris Elba, and he goes, he, he snaps his fingers, and as he turns to dust, he's like, meow. No, he turns yes. to, he breaks the fourth wall? He, no, he doesn't break the fourth wall. He turns into dust. So he's disappearing into dust, but he's like, meow. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I was like. Stringer I, Bell. You got yeah. Stringer Bell saying meow. Yeah. I have never laughed so hard in my life and not because I was like, not because I was supposed to, but because it was so terrible. Oh my God. It was so bad. So now with the CGI, the cats that got to wear costumes, like, so, um, magical, Mr. Magical, Mr. Mistopheles has like, um, a coat that he wears Whenever any of the cats that were wearing coats, um, they looked more cat-like, and it was very believable. The cats that didn't wear any clothes were the ones that were not believable. Um, So, which is very interesting to me, because it's like, just make them wear costumes then. Like, (laughs) why why did you CGI them? Um. There was just all these, all these create like weird, weird choices, and like Jason Derulo's cat was very all over the place, and he was too sexual to be a cat because you're like, 
I'm attracted to Jason Derulo. He's got enough of a face that I'm attracted to him. But I know that he's a cat, so that's messed up. And even in this, even in this Washington Post, somebody said something similar about Taylor Swift. And was like, I feel like a deviant because I was attracted to Taylor Swift as a cat. Like worse than a furry. Well, and that's what he said. He's like, I'm kind of concerned about going home to my two cats. I was like, oh, oh no. Um, so it was just, it was, it was just a very weird magical trip. And I guarantee you, I plan on buying it and I will drink with people and we will play drinking games and I will make every single one of my friends watch it. Oh, that's great. Not, and that's, that's the great. thing about the Washington Post is they think that it might end up being another cult classic like Rocky Horror Picture Show where people are going to come dressed up. They're going to start shouting things. They're going to throw things like, um, they, there seems to be this cult culture already kind of coming up about it. That it's is great. Just, it was, it was terrible in all the wrong ways, but I ended up actually liking this version better than any other version I ever saw. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was just- it was it was crazy. Oh, and then Dame Judy Dench gives the speech about how cats are better than dogs. And that one she did break the fourth wall. And we were just like, did we get lectured to by Dame Judy Dench who's dressed as a cat about how cats are better than dogs? That is fat. Lynette, that is a great review. I can't wait to watch it. Thank you. Uh Bobby, Bobby and I were talking about we've never seen any of the Medea movies. <laughs> Oh my god, I love them so much. Those are my oh, you, guilty pleasures. You love them? I heard they're like terrible. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. They're they. This is why I call them a guilty pleasure. They oh. are they are not good movies. Yeah, I kind of want to watch them. Like I want to have a Mediathon. <gasps> I'm in. Let's do this. Like I March well, Mediathon or something. Yes, let's do this. Oh, March March Madness March Media Madness March Media Madness. You like that? I like it. We've coined it. <laughs> Listeners, Boom. come join us for March Medea Madness. March Medea Madness. <laughs> Coming down in central New York somewhere. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, anyway, uh, my number four is um, this just got uploaded today. Christian Bale is reportedly going to from playing Batman to circling the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just saw that. Yep. Uh, Bale is reportedly in talks to join Thor uh, Love and Thunder, according to Hollywood Re- Reporter. The fourth Thor film... And the first since what TT's Thor Ragnarok also stars Chris Helmsworth, uh, Tessa Thompson, and Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor. Nice. Little little is known about Bale's involvement, including who he's playing. But if he does join the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it will be the first role in the franchise, first role in a franchise film since Dark Knight Rises. Lynette, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm excited. Christian Bale, even though I know he has his moments because he's a method actor. Yeah. Uh, he honestly has been one of my favorite actors since he was a kid. Like I, I fell in love with him in Newsies. Um, I wanted to marry him when he was in Newsies. And then um, just anytime I can get a chance to watch him perform. It's just, it's just really, it's just really nice because he does bring, he tries to bring a very different sensibility uh to each character, however, also always the same intenseness. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and 
um, my classes uh, this semester for acting, we're 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 digging into the Stanislavski method mm. and uh, talking about pulling upon experiences into our performances and stuff. Uh, he definitely pulls upon that. Um, definitely gets into character. Definitely um, tries to bring everything he has to the screen. And yeah, you know, I I, I think the one thing that's bad about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna do the devil's advocate thing. I you know listen. I'm excited. It's gonna be great. Um, I'm glad he's grabbing grabbing a Marvel Cinematic Universe where the DC Universe would take he would take it so serious and then he would you know become this brooding kind of mm-hmm. something like that. He already did the DC thing. I'm guessing that he's gonna be a villain of some sort in of uh, the Marvel uni- Universe or something like that or an antihero. Um, I'm excited, but I'm kind of. I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of a naysayer, and it's kind of a bummer that someone like Christian Bale. I'm not saying he's doing this to work or he needs money or something like that, something weird like that. I'm gonna say that it's kind of sad that we don't have enough serious dramatic movies for him to acting that he's going to put on a cape as well. What do you say to that? Um. Or am I overthinking it? I think you might be overthinking it. I feel like um, though he's not known for his comedy, he definitely can bring a light heartedness to his characters. Um, I mean, I haven't fully seen, I, ha- I haven't seen um, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, but even in the preview for that, there's, even though it's a, you know, it's a driver drama, right, right. drama um, he seems to be actually, pretty kind of tongue-in-cheek about things like he's he's a lot lighter um in that role and i think that he has that key and i'm i'm trying to remember i would have to look up i feel like i've seen him in a couple other things where he can get pretty funny if he wants to like he's not always that intense person like um and so i think he's a good I think he's a good fit because I think if anybody could bring that out in him, um, that's Taika Waititi. I mean, gotcha. I think he could he could really make him sore. And I don't think he would – I don't think Taika would cast him if he didn't think he could do it either. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just – I'm hopeful. You know, maybe – yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just trying to, to do something different that we haven't seen in a while or – a different kind of performance and you know thor ragnarok proved us wrong and i think steer you know re-energized us for avengers endgame and what we were just talking about you know got us into a different headspace so rock and roll that was my number four lynette what do you got for number four all right my number four i'm gonna bring it to kind of the movie in theater world together um it was announced recently um on i found this on logo um Dot com that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to reportedly play the gay dad in Fun Home, uh, which won the best musical um, in 2000. I think it was 2015, um, which is an it's an awesome musical about mm. a uh, woman who goes off to college, discovers that she is gay and at the same time finds out that her dad is gay and how they deal with it is very different. Like the um, the opening line is, my dad and I both grew up in the same small town in Pennsylvania, or same small Pennsylvania town. 
Um, and he was gay and I was gay and he killed himself and I became a lesbian cartoonist. Wow. Yeah. Right. Um, and <laughs> while it's funny, uh, while, while it's heavy, it's also very funny as well. Um, there's some lighthearted parts. Um, but I was wondering if Jake Gyllenhaal is getting too much play lately. Ooh. Um, this, We're getting Gyllenhaal out? I'm, I might be getting Gyllenhaal out. Uh, I mean, he's doing his own thing. He's picking his own stuff. Um, I would love to see him live in performance because I've never seen him. Though he's done Sunday in the Park with George. He also did a little shop of horrors on mm. Broadway. Um, and But, you know, with his Mysterio and other things, I'm just wondering if there wasn't maybe a better choice in Hollywood to play this um, uh, I don't want to say tortured because the character is definitely not tortured. Um, This kind of role. This kind of role, right. You're questioning the casting. Correct. I am questioning the casting. You think think they're just grabbing a big name to sell tickets? I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's the case. That sounds like it to me. That sounds yeah. like me. I, I, and that's such a bummer. You know, I, I, you know, some of my favorite movies are filled with unknown actors, mm-hmm. you know, because then you just think of them as that part, you know, even if they become someone after that, you just think of, you know, you'll always think of that actor as Rick Grimes in the walking dead. You know right. I mean? That's Rick Grimes. Like no one can ever take his place. Even if they remake the show, God forbid, like five years from now, um, You'll be like, okay, where's Rick? <laughs> Bring yeah. Rick back, uh, the actor and everything. You know, I, I feel bad for him, but um, you know, he's a great actor, but he'll always be Rick Grimes because he was barely, you know, he wasn't in the limelight or something like that. And Wait, sometimes is Rick Grimes the sheriff. Yeah. Oh, see, to me, he's he is the cardboard guy in Love Actually. In Love Actually. I know. I mean, That's... he was in one or two movies before that. Yeah. But, you know, but to that... me, like even even watching Walking Dead the first season, I'm like, oh, that's cardboard, dude. Like that's <laughs> that's how I saw him. Like, well, yeah, and so well, you didn't know him before then, what? too. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just uh, sometimes, and we've seen it like happen a bunch of times where, well, um, what was that that big, uh. Oh, that that uh, musical turned movie wasn't it? Rock of Ages with Tom Cruise. Oh God, that was terrible. Terrible. So uh, bad. That was terrible. Uh, we just saw it with um, Will Smith as uh, the genie in Aladdin. I I haven't finished watching that yet. That's fine. It was terrible. And then we also saw it. I forget who played Scar in uh, the Lion King in the voiceover, but uh, oh, see, I liked him. Cheetah Cheetah Elephor. Yeah. No. Didn't like his singing. <laughs> well, it was more talking, but still, I I liked his interpretation of Scar a little bit more. Well, yeah, I, was... I mean the actual voice actor, but then hire a, hire the musical guy to do the musical stuff. You what? know what I mean? No, that's what we're trying to get away from. That's what we used to do in the '40s and '50s, and then people didn't get noted like the 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 they weren't in the credits. Oh well, then don't do that. <laughs> Know your facts. Know your history. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Lynette, I, I totally feel you on this one. I might be, yeah, like I, Joan Hall to me, and this just might be my personal thing. I don't think it's a personal thing. He does the best and gets close to his best performances when it's a smaller kind of weirdo movie. You know, whether it be Prisoners, whether it be Nightcrawler, 
Those are mm-hmm. some of my favorite films of his. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have this kid that was in an independent movie, and maybe it's, and it's not like he's being typecasted, right? Donnie Darko no. was a long time ago. Um, it's not like he's like the sci-fi horror movie guy or something like that. No. Him and Prisoners in Nightcrawler are some of his most introverted and subtle performances. And to me, he hasn't really sold me on big blockbuster movements. Yeah. Like where Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., I, I, I believe it. I yeah. believe that he's shooting lasers out of his hands and he's blowing up deserts and stuff. I, I just believe it. And he just carries that swagger. Yeah. And swagger is different than acting. Like where Hall's acting is much more subtle to me. And I, I listen, and it's, I appreciate it. I, like I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't withhold emotions like he can. You know what I mean? Think of like Nightcrawler or Prisoners or some of those smaller performances where he's, or even the Ice Storm when he was younger, these smaller kind of performances that are just great. So I don't know. You see now, now, now that you're saying that, now you're actually getting me to go the other way. Mm. Think Because knowing I got, I was lucky enough to see it when it was on Broadway with the original cast. And knowing the story and knowing... And the cool thing about this is, is also, let's discuss that. It's based on a graphic novel. Right. Uh, so it's based on a graf- graphic novel named Fun Home. Um, and it got made into a Broadway play. First Broadway play written by two females. One Tony's. First females ever to win Tony's for writing. Let's cool. discuss that 2015. Cool. Um, and now they're making a movie. But um, the... Now that you're saying that about his performances and how he's introverted and withholding of emotion, that actually now makes more sense to me. Now oh, it of makes the more casting? Sense oh, of I the don't casting. know the pl- Yeah, I don't know the musical, so maybe that would make sense. So uh, I think you would really love uh, okay. the musical because it's it. There's um, there's very clever things that happen in it, and it's an up and down. And yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, so. Yeah, so that was my that was my number four was just checking out Jake Gyllenhaal going to the movies. Um, I have a feeling that, I, and you know, maybe he is just enough under mainstream that he will he's got enough cred that people would go to see it. But it's not overpowering like Will Smith, where we can't get that personality out of the character. Does out that of the sense? way, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, for my number five, good one, Lat. That was great. Um, my number five, uh, a couple uh, returning IPs. I just want to know about your take on both these. Uh, Bill and Ted's Face the Music trailer will arrive this spring. And um, Lucasfilm has started work on Disney Plus's Willow's sequel series. Um, what are your thoughts on either of those? Uh, Bill and Ted's super excited about. Yes. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was that kid that had seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure way too many times to count. I even burned out not one, but two copies of the soundtrack on cassette tape. Like I had run it, run the tape ragged and had yeah, to buy come out a third and play. copy. Come out yeah. and play by extreme. I love that song. <laughs> um, loved, loved that. Bogus Journey was okay. Not one that I really rewatch, um, but I, I went to. See, yeah. I'm the opposite. I love that movie. <laughs> Maybe I'll just have to rewatch it. Take it in. Again. Oh, yeah, I think you do. I think, All right. Uh, there's a lot of parts that are yeah. so amazing. I, I, r- amazing and uh, ingenuitive for mm. a comedy at the time, actually. Okay. Yeah. 
I know, and the other thing was, is I just, I watched Bill and Ted's a couple of years ago, and I was like, this shit still holds up. Like, there is not a single thing in it that you're like, ooh, there's no cringeworthy moments where you're like, that's probably not okay anymore. Or, like, you, it's just pure entertainment for entertainment's value. It holds up. It still works. I still remember those characters to this day. Um, so I'm super, I'm, I'm super excited about the third one like i will be there i'm not gonna lie i'll probably be there opening night (laughs) yeah i I, yeah i for that one i mean we're in the middle of a major major keanu sans yes right (laughs) Um, we have that trailer dropping then i believe it's 2022 both the new matrix 4 and john wick 4 are slated to open on the same day. What? <laughs> yeah, do you not know that? No. I think it's Memorial Day. They're both slated to open Memorial Day week in 2022. I'm not going to lie. I still have to catch up on John Wick. I haven't oh, seen a single my. one. You haven't seen a single one? I haven't seen a single one, but I'm going to do I'm going to do like a Godmother a Godfather marathon. I'm going to watch oh, three. Boom. If you can handle it. I'm going to handle it. And I'm going to handle oh. it well because I know I want I want you I want your full I want your full reporting on that. Oh my God, uh, Lynette, you're gonna. So I, I think I was telling Bobby like he is because of this return, you know, because he had his '80s movies, because mm-hmm. he had The Matrix, right, and that was already yep. returned to form. You know, what I mean, because he he was already kind of Bill and Ted's and Point Break, like that was his first kind of thing, and like Johnny Newmont came out, and you're like, oh, that was kind of cheesy. Yeah. Then boom, Matrix came here, like oh shit, you know what I mean? And then those started fading. He had a couple, like, what was it, 47 Ronin, these kind of movies mm. that were just kind of, like, cheesy. You're like, oh, all right. I still still think Constantine is a great fucking movie. Constantine was okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay. But, Lynette, let me tell you, when you see Wick, you will rem- you will bow down. You will be like, is oh, it, my God, we miss you so much. Is it better than The Lake House? <laughs> oh, I don't know. There is a twist in that, too. <laughs> There's a twist in John Wick. Might be a prequel. The Lake Ooh. House might be a prequel to John Wick. So that would be that interesting. Um, so I don't know. like, But when you see these movies, you'll be like, okay, he's back. And he might be our greatest action star ever. He might have cemented that. Really? Yeah, I'm going to put that out there. Uh, okay. And so, yeah, so I'm wicked excited. But Lynette, what about Willow series for Disney? Um. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. kind of how I felt. It's, I... Yeah. I watched it a couple of times when I was a kid. I don't, it it was not, it's not one of those ones that like absolutely bolt, like it's not like Labyrinth or um, uh, Labyrinth or Legend or um, Dark Crystal that like really like drew me into the world. Like I can, I honestly, I barely remember the plot of Willow. It's I'm The sure. Hobbit. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it seems like it's a it's a world that there's definitely possibilities for a series. I could it makes sense. Um, I just meh. The story that the story that I heard that is they couldn't get the rights to the Hobbit and they made Willow. Ooh. So it's a little different. Of course, it's a little different than the Hobbit, but um, I mean, it is a childhood favorite of mine. Um, it's a little slow. I'm not gonna lie. Um, by today's standards, I mean definitely overshadowed by you know the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. It should be okay. I just think that they're just returning things for nostalgia purposes. It'll be there. There's only, you know, there's only so much you can do. I mean, this being said, I mean, the end of The Mandalorian was glorious and that series was great. But it's not because that series was really about Star Wars. No. It was its own separate story with its own, own lot, like, own it had good story even with the minimal dialogue it had yes it had a solid good story and a cute as fuck puppet right right and and so you know and and i think that's the way to do this thing is you know not to rehash or make a sequel or anything just have things take place inside the world you know yeah whatever right it's like the it's like it's like Watchmen. One of right. the reasons why right. Watchmen was so great is because it treated the movie as canon, but it didn't it, it didn't bring you back there. It started something new. And and I think if if they can do that, then it probably will be good. Yeah. Maybe they're maybe they're taking a lesson. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't know who's involved with it, but um hopefully it's good. All right, that was my number 5. Lynette, what do you got to round us out tonight? Um, hold please. I'm going to make sure. Hold I pick, please. I pick a good one. I want to pick a good one. I know. One I, had a for bunch, you. I had a bunch this week. Um, you know what? It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the year. It's beginning of the decade. Let's do this. Uh, sci-fi.com came out with, um, the 21, 21 sci-fi shows that we're most excited to see specifically in 2020, actually. Mm. So some of them were returns. Um, some of them were new ones. Uh, I agreed with them on a lot of them. There were some new ones that sounded pretty damn interesting. Um, and you know, so I was gonna, so a couple of them. So let's just talk. Obviously they talked about season four of stranger things. Yeah, uh, we've already. I think we talked about it during Comic Con. The Picard is coming to CBS All Access. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. So whoever wants to give me their login for that, it would be appreciated. <laughs> um, you know, my, I think the one I'm looking forward to the most is actually uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Of course. Um, what? No, of course. Yeah. Oh, oh. Course. I yeah, think no, that wasn't sarcasm. I was like, what? Is yeah. it because it's too Are you hot being heat? sarcastic? I don't yeah. even I don't even know anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm really excited about that. Of course I have to wait till late 2020 to see it. Um, but I I'm just super stoked because those actually out of Civil War, those are two of some of my favorite characters. Um, you know, that didn't get a lot of movie time, but I think they have an interesting dynamic both being Cap's friends, and I think that there's a lot of action there. Um, yeah. I mean, my favorite of still... I, it's My favorite of the cinematic universe still is um, uh, Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier, and both those characters are from that movie, so I love that. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to beat that one. Um, something that intrigued me, because I, I, in being a comic book person, I'm surprised I don't know this one, why the last man it's coming mm. out on fx it's based on a graphic novel by brian k vaughn and Pierre guerra um and it's going to be a live action version of a post-apocalyptic world where almost every male has died except for one 
and the story digs into social and gender issues beautifully. Oh. Um, and that's going to be on FX. Um, and it doesn't really say when it's supposed to come out. But it's got a pretty cool lineup. It's Diane Lane, Barry Kigo, uh, uh, Keoghan, Keoghan mm. Imogene Poots, Amber Tamblin, and Timothy Hutton. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then, oh, have you seen, um, you know, pay, uh, talking about subscriptions, HBO, have you seen the preview for Avenue 5? Yes. Uh, that was on this list, and that nice. looks very intriguing to me. Very, I very, think it's going to be one of those things that's you know, they're going to flop terribly, or it's going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, so that's one of the ones that I'm looking forward to. And like I said, there's 21 on the sci-fi list. Some of them we've already talked, like we already know about. Right. That's coming back. Um, the final season of Lucifer, which I'm excited about. Um, I didn't even know that DC had a show called The Doom Patrol. Um, which apparently will be also launching with HBO Max, that subscription series that's coming out. Uh, the Orville's coming back. Um, and then, oh, Hellstorm on Hulu. Um, it's another Marvel's OG TV studio thing. So uh, that's coming at some point in 2020. Cool. That sounds yeah. great. Great reporting. Great reporting, Lynette. Thank you. <laughs> Hot off the presses. I'm a master porter. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, it's time to round out the show with my favorite segment. We're going to go YouTubing, baby. YouTube. YouTubing. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, sure. I would be happy to go first. Go for it. All right. So my number one YouTube pick is if anybody hasn't seen it yet, please go on to YouTube and find it. The uh, new trailer. Sorry. You probably just heard a little bit of it. The new trailer for um, the new mutants is out. It sounds like they have finally committed to what the storyline is going to be (laughs) and that they're actually going to release it. And it looks scary and fun and awesome. Um, So I would say check that out. Uh, It looks pretty sick and I can't wait. And it comes out April 3rd, 2020. Super awesome. Uh, That's the one with uh, Arya Stark in it, right? Yes. Okay, excellent. And actually, uh, did you see Thoroughbreds? Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. yeah, remind me. What is what's that? Thoroughbreds is the one where a girl befriends a sociopath. Uh, her other friend, her girlfriend, is a sociopath. No, no. And they decide oh, that, that. Oh my god, so good, so good. You have mm. to watch it. But one of the stars okay. in that movie is in also, and she's she's. I don't know her name. I should look it up. But she's going to be one of those young people to watch for. She's gonna like she's it. gonna be making moves like Arya Stark. Lynette's or, Lynette's up and comers. I like. Yeah, it. yeah. All right. So. That's my, what you got for YouTube? Oh man. All right. I got a list. Um, okay. Um, we've, uh, all right, let me, let me start here and maybe we'll save a couple for next time. Uh, so Bobby and I watched this great video series. It's called the top 10 worst movies of 2019. It's by Joe blow videos. Um, they do the top 10 worst movies of every year and they've done it since like 2013 or something like that. And, and I think I sent you guys the link. Um, it's not about the list. It's, you know, it's this guy's. So what he does is he takes the um, Rotten Tomato score, the IMDb score, and then the users on JoeBlow.com vote at the end of the year and they combine all the scores somehow. And, and this is the top bottom or the bottom worst. Um, my favorite part of these Either videos. Top or bottom. You can't be both. That's right. <laughs> I got to commit. <laughs> so um, what happens is. 
the little jokes that he has in between all of the movies are so funny. We were laughing so hard. Like, so the guy that makes these videos are is such a cinephile. You really have to know movies to understand all the inside jokes that they're making. It's so great. Please check it out. That's awesome. Um, a couple other movies uh, or a couple other videos. I have Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros. Joe Strummer from the Class Clash. Yeah. There's a great video of him live in 1999. It's 46 minutes, full concert. It's great. It's him doing Clash songs and Joe Strummer songs. Awesome. Um, there's a great performance of Devo jerking back into the fourth, 1982. Mm-hmm. It's a seven-minute video. They're wearing the plastic hairdos, which is the new traditional list look. So great. And then the final one is a video by Nerd Gestalic. Nerd Stalic? Nerd Gestalic or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know how to say it. Um, it's nerd and, you know, nostalgic. nostalgic. Right. Nerd mm-hmm. Gestalic? Nostalgic or something like that. Nerd Stalic? Um, Nerd Stalic. There you go. Nerd Stalic. That's it. Uh, And the video is the moment the Simpsons ruined Homer Simpson. (gasps) It's a really interesting video. It kind of breaks down how the heart of the show went away um, when this one episode hit. Because Homer became kind of, in this one uh, user's opinion, a lot of people's opinion, he became kind of a buffoon and a butt of a joke as opposed to a guy that was kind of a hapless loser trying to help his family at all costs. Mm. Um, He pointed to like, you know, the Lisa, it's your birthday episode, you know, like how he screws up big time, but he still like loves Lisa at the end of the episode and sings a song with her. And he, he was like, that was kind of the heart of the show. That's what made the Simpsons great. It was at the end of the episode, you know, you would still be there. And this one episode, I believe it's the max power episode. Homer, starts hating a caricature of himself on TV and it's almost a foreshadowing incident. And he breaks down what happened to the writing staff. Of course, of course, Odin Kirk left uh, Conan O'Brien left all these big writers left the first couple seasons. And this new wave came in like seasons, like seven through 11 or something like that. So he breaks down all these things. I know that the Simpsons are back on, you know, in our kind of mindset because they're on Disney plus and I've been watching mm-hmm. my favorite here and there. Uh, when uh, Homer befriends Ned Flanders. I love that one. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, check those out. Those are some great videos. Lynette, you got anything to plug? What's going on in your life? What's 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 up? What's up? Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, hopefully by the end of the month, you will see me at New York City's Broadway Con. I'm going to be checking it out for the podcast, reporting back to you live. Well, I might throw up some videos and stuff. Um, so I'm excited about that. And um, other than that, I'm just working on being my best self. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, as far as I go, um, you know, at last podcast, we talked a little bit about um, Fortnite. And now I got into that addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I got another video or another video game addiction going on. And it's called the uh, Minecraft. <laughs> oh, do we need to discuss discuss this on a, like a professional to professional level <laughs> so i just want to put it out there i won't be reviewing movies or music for the rest of the year uh, i'm not gonna watch anything or do anything except play minecraft so i'm just putting that out there <laughs> okay so basically we're welcoming you to what is it 2013 14 15 right exactly was- well i have a five-year-old or a six-year-old and so you know i use them as an excuse to play these awesome video games <laughs> got you i can't wait for my nieces and nephews to get that old so i can have excuses <laughs> oh my god, it's such a great game. You know, so I'll just be reporting on what type of facilities I've built that week. 
Oh, and okay. You know what kind of stuff I've mined and what stuff I, I crafted. So uh, that's me. Oh, my, hence uh, Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how the game's supposed to be played. <laughs> oh, that's so so epiphanatic. Epiphanatic. Yeah. <gasps> I like that word. I hope that's not a word, it's, but it's a word now. It's like nerd stolic. Nerd stolic. Epiphanatic. <laughs> Maybe that should be our website. Epiphanatic. Epiphanatic.com. Epiphanatic.com. Oh my gosh. <gasps> Miracles are happening. I think it's time to call it a quits because people uh, won't be able to handle this. This that's right. This genius happening. <laughs> All right, kids. Well, this has been Lynette Williams and Ben Frawley for Desperately Seeking Entertainment for the Onstage Blog. We are signing off this week, and we will see you. Bye, people. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>